presented by American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers. Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook Deputy Editor Zach Stanton. It is Friday, February 16th, and there's a lot of legal news driving the day. First off, here's something House Republicans aren't going to be eager to discuss. Yesterday, Alexander Smirnov, a 43-year-old FBI informant, was charged with lying to the Bureau, feeding his handler false information about ties between President Joe Biden, his son Hunter, and Ukrainian energy company Burisma. Specifically, he falsely told agents that the company paid the Bidens $5 million each in 2015 or 2016, and that an executive with the company claimed to have hired Hunter to, quote, protect us through his dad from all kinds of problems, unquote. Now, if that sounds familiar, there's a reason why. Last summer, when House Republicans set about trying to impeach President Biden, these claims landed in the Capitol like a flash grenade, spurring Republicans to demand the FBI release the unredacted forms detailing the allegations. Then Speaker Kevin McCarthy even referenced it when he announced the impeachment inquiry, saying that, quote, a trusted FBI informant has alleged a bribe to the Biden family. Now, it turns out it was all made up. Uh, which is why David Weiss, the special counsel who has charged Hunter Biden with gun and tax violations, filed charges against Smirnov on Thursday that carry a maximum penalty of 25 years in prison. Meanwhile, from New York, an invitation to mark your calendars. We have an official start date for Donald Trump's hush money trial in Manhattan. It'll begin on March 25th, which is five weeks from this coming Monday. Fun fact, it's likely that by that point, Trump will have effectively clinched the Republican presidential nomination. But by far the day's biggest legal story comes from Georgia, where Fulton County DA Fawny Willis took the stand yesterday to answer claims from Trump's lawyers about an alleged conflict of interest. Joining me now to discuss that is Josh Gerstein, Politico's senior legal affairs reporter. Good morning, Josh. Hey, Zach. Good to be with you. Happy to have you. So, Two lead prosecutors in Fulton County took the stand yesterday in a day-long grilling that was at times combative and consistently seemed very, very personal. What did we learn? Well, we learned some things about uh, the relationship between the two of them, at least as they uh, tell it. I don't think we can take any of it at face value, but... We learned a, a, a couple things. The two people we're talking about here are the Fulton County District Attorney, Fannie Willis, and uh, Nathan Wade, who is a longtime lawyer, uh, former local judge in Georgia, just as Fannie Willis was before she was uh, elected as district attorney. And the crux of the fight that's going on here has to do with their personal relationship and a claim that some of the defendants in the Trump Georgia-based election subversion case have made, including former President Trump, that Willis sort of improperly profiting from the prosecution by siphoning off funds or benefits from Mr. Wade, who is a special prosecutor on contract to the county um, and is being paid, I think, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, basically, in that position. And uh, a lot of the debate you know, I, I understand why people might think it seems pretty tangential to the question of election fraud or interference in 2020. But uh, a lot of the discussion was about when their personal relationship began and, believe it or not, 
about whether they went Dutch. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about that. And the allegation is basically that because she uh, perhaps directed money towards him, that this is, presents a conflict of interest. Yeah, that's the thrust of the claim. And and if the judge were to rule that it is a conflict of interest, I don't think it would be the end of the case against Trump or the other defendants. You know, generally speaking, if you're accused of a murder and the prosecutor does something wrong, you know, they'll replace the prosecutor. It doesn't mean you get off scot-free. So um, the thinking is that if if Willis were knocked off the case and her office were disqualified, there's a process in the state of Georgia to find another prosecutor that might take a while. And the, whoever else they pick might not be as enthusiastic about pursuing this case as Fonnie Willis uh, was. But I'll tell you, Zach, that the sort of the main takeaway from this sort of extraordinary court hearing was Fannie Willis's desire to really, in her view, set the record straight. You know, or she was indignant. Um, and she was unabashed in pushing back to get what she claimed were, you know, flagrant lies that were being circulated about her by the defense team. And she even took a few shots at Nathan Wade at different times, you know, suggesting that he might not have um, the greatest respect for women in the workplace. Um, she outlined her food and uh, beverage preferences, telling us that, you know, Wade took her or she went with Wade to Napa Valley and but she's not much of a wine person. She's more of a gray goose person. So there were all these sort of insights into their uh, personal life. You know, it was one of those things where you like you didn't really want to look, but you kind of didn't want to look away. So what constitutes a victory for Trump in this case? Is it getting her taken off of the case or is it delaying the pursuit of this case a bit? I mean, all of the, I think all of the above, getting her taken off the case would be a pretty big victory. Dragging it out a bit more would be uh, significant, although there are considerable doubts about whether this is a case that Trump is going to have to face in terms of a trial before the election anyway, based on the election calendar and how things are looking. I think they're talking about the earliest possible trial here being in August. And it's not even certain with 15 defendants that Trump would go in that round. But honestly, Zach, what I think this is about is payback. I mean, uh, Trump's team and the rest of these co-defendants feel that this is a flimsy case, that the kinds of things they were doing are no different than other people have done historically in terms of challenging elections or asking for recounts or, um, you know, asking for access to uh, voting machines and that they're basically being targeted for their political views. And, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And if they can cause a little pain for Fannie Willis and uh, Nathan Wade, I think they view that as as all part of the joust here, which, you know, it is a criminal justice process, but there is a political element to it. I think it's fair to say on both sides. We'll leave it there. Thanks so much, Josh. Anytime. Happy to do it. And for your schedule today, the House and the Senate are both out, and President Biden will travel to East Palestine, Ohio, where he will receive an update on the response and recovery efforts following last year's train derailment. He'll then deliver remarks on the briefing. Also today, make sure to listen to Playbook Deep Dive. 
This week, Congressman Jim Himes, the ranking Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee, speaks with our very own Ryan Lizza about two big national security stories driving the conversation in Washington, the Russian weapons program that has roiled Capitol Hill, and the ongoing debate over how to reauthorize Section 702 surveillance program that is a controversial linchpin of post-9-11 intelligence gathering. Be sure to search Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts for Playbook Deep Dive and give it a listen. The music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Callan Tansel Suddeth is our podcast producer. Annie Reese is managing producer. Mike DeBonis and yours truly are our editors. The podcast will be off on Monday for President's Day. Happy President's Day. But we'll be back on Tuesday with an all-new episode. In the meantime, I'm Zach Stanton. Thanks for listening. The EPA is set to finalize a regulation designed to end the sale of new gas and diesel cars regardless of what drivers want, need, and can afford. Polling shows that Americans think the Biden EPA is moving too far too fast. President Biden, stop the EPA's car ban. Vehicle policies can't just work for some of us, they should work for all of us.